Welcome to ACNL in Action, brought to you by the Association of California Nurse Leaders. I'm your host, Charlene Platon, and this is the podcast for anyone who wants to learn more about nursing, leadership, and everything in between. Each episode, we'll be talking to healthcare leaders to get their perspectives on the biggest issues. And today, we'll be talking about how culture can have an impact on an organization's success. And we are so excited to be joined by James Jackson, Interim Chief Executive Officer at Alameda Health System. Now, James holds an impressive background with more than 25 years in healthcare administration. His career in healthcare administration began with his service in the United States Navy at the Naval Hospital in Oakland, California, where he served in various capacities, including lead of the Mobile Medical Assessment Readiness Team in the Pacific region. James resigned his commission in the Navy in 2001, having attained the rank of Lieutenant Commander. Currently, James is Interim CEO at Alameda Health System, which is a $1 billion system consisting of four hospitals and a network of post-acute care facilities, ancillary providers, and wellness centers, with 4,000 employees and 1,000 physicians. James has held several chief executive positions, including CEO, Chief Operating Officer, and Chief Administrative Officer. James has also served on the Public Ethics Commission for the Oakland City Government. Thank you so much, James, for being a guest on our podcast today. Charlene, thank you. The pleasure is mine. I appreciate the opportunity. Yes, we're so honored and we're so privileged to have you on this call. And first, I just want to say congratulations on your appointment to Interim CEO of Alameda Health System. That's so exciting. Thank you very much. This is the, it's the culmination of a 30-year career. Um, I'm an Oakland native, um, and so being able to serve this community in this capacity um, really is something that I never really anticipated, but I'm so grateful for. Yes, thank you for sharing that with us, James. And, you know, speaking on your journey, could you actually tell us about your journey being appointed to this role and and what really solidified your decision to take on this new milestone in your career? Uh, yes, thank you for asking. I um, have worked amazingly pretty much um, all over the Bay Area. I've worked for Dignity Healthcare. I've worked for Kaiser. Um, I also spent some of obviously the Naval Hospital, which, which you acknowledged. I spent a long time at Children's Hospital in Oakland, too. And um, that was probably one of the most fruitful opportunities because I was serving my community. And I literally saw people that I knew who were coming in and receiving care for their, their children. Um, and it really just it meant a lot to me. And so the opportunity to work for the Alameda Health System was kind of a dream come true. My father um, was a provider and he worked for the Alameda Health System for a number of years. And so when the opportunity came to be an administrator here, originally back in 2012, you know, I, I jumped at the opportunity and um, things happened that I found another opportunity in about six years later and went to Seton, which is down in Daly City. But when this interim role became available, it really was just too good to pass up. And so um, it's been an amazing journey, um, but being able to serve my community at this point in my career, I just couldn't ask for more. Thank you so much for sharing um, your story with us, James. And it's always so great to hear about how people um, come to their careers at certain stages and really just to hear the background, especially because in healthcare, there's so many different ways to arrive at a healthcare leadership position. 
And, you know, in speaking about leadership and organizations, you know, for our podcast today, we are really interested in learning about organizational culture. And so I want to take this opportunity to first ask a very fundamental question. What is culture in your opinion? How would you define culture? Culture to me is really the ethos. It's the guiding ethos of an organization. And so I I just think it's so very important to recognize the importance of culture and then really take the temperature of the organization because, you know, you're not going to be successful if you don't have a a strong culture, a unified culture. If you have people rowing in different directions, um, you're just not going to succeed. And so I think it pays to pay attention to the culture and to cultivate it. Right. I I agree completely. It is the ethos. So when it comes to culture and healthcare organizations, what does that look like to you? Um, How how do we know that cultures um, in healthcare organizations are, you know, a certain way or how do we, how can we understand what the culture is for our organizations? It's a wonderful question because I believe that culture in healthcare organizations correlates directly to patient satisfaction. I think that by having clarity of culture and a culture that people buy into and really want to want to give themselves to um, allows them the the freedom to provide the best care possible. Um, I don't think people go into providing care to make a fortune. I mean, healthcare providers are are well paid. There's no question, but to give of yourself in the way that healthcare providers must, um, that's not about money. Um, and I think that's f- so much more true when you talk about a safety net organization like the Alameda Health System. We're not a county hospital, but we are the safety net provider for Alameda County. And we serve those who really have uh, no other alternatives oftentimes. And frankly, we serve everybody. Our, our mission statement is caring, healing, teaching, serving all. And we do all of those things, but I like to emphasize the serving all. And so when somebody comes to work here, they have to understand the folks that we are providing care to are not always going to be as grateful as you might hope. Um, They're not going to be as nice as you would expect necessarily. And we must provide care for them. And what I love about the Alameda Health System Certainly, I've seen miracles here. I've seen the most amazing things and people going above and beyond, and they don't really think of it as going above and beyond. That's just their standard business. And so it's an honor to serve them. And I think part of that ethos that we talked about is I I do believe in servant leadership, and my job is to remove barriers and to provide the resources to allow these subject matter experts, these caregivers, um, to really be excellent and to not be constrained by, you know, the mundane things. My job is to clear the path and to give them the ability to be great. Thank you so much, James. And there were so many great pearls of wisdom that you shared there. And the first I wanted to mention is that I really resonate with the community that you all serve within Alameda Healthcare. And, you know, I I had served um, the population of East Los Angeles when I was a nurse um, in the acute care side. And I believe we had a lot of similar populations. Um, You know, we had our community was in need of a lot of support. And it is just so rewarding to to be part of the health system that really wants to be there to help others um, in that community. It really makes a difference when you see that. And, you know, the people who I worked with before in East Los Angeles, we were all there for the sole purpose of 
really um, wanting to help others. And I think that that's, that's really special, you know, when it comes to culture and when you could see that within your own healthcare system, I do think it's really, uh, really, really special. And absolutely. yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it's just a whole, you know, it's a different feel. You really feel the togetherness and the connectedness. Um, and one thing you also mentioned was servant leadership. And I really wanted to emphasize that because that's, that's an amazing concept. Um, I think that's still probably a pretty progressive concept in healthcare systems, which, you know, might, might not have that in their vocabulary um, in many places, but could you expand a little bit more about what that means? I would be happy to. Um, I have had the good fortune to be mentored by, I think, some really wonderful servant leaders. Um, I, I'll just say a few names and people in healthcare will know some of the names, some they won't. Um, uh, there's Tony Papp at Children's Hospital. There was Michael Tully Centron at Kaiser. Um, there was Bernard Tyson at, at Kaiser. Um, mm -hmm. Frank Puglisi at the Contra Costa Healthcare System um, was another mentor. Um, Harold Williams at, at Children's Hospital. Um, the, the list goes on, but I would say that the common denominator for all of those folks, and um, it was being a servant leader. And Peggy Baxter is a woman that I worked for at Children's Hospital, and she was the first person who I really understood to be a servant leader. And it really is about putting others first and understanding that with re great responsibility, you know, comes, or excuse me, with great power comes great responsibility. And so it's great to have a title and it's great to have a span of control. But if you don't understand that it's about serving others, then you're really kind of wasting, you're squandering that opportunity. And so Peggy and Bernard and Frank and the other folks that I mentioned, Michael, they all impressed upon me more than once that, you know, I am to serve and I am to make it better for those who are providing the care. And that's what I intend to do every day. Thank you so much for the extra insight and the extra explanation, James, that's wonderful. And that really resonates, uh, resonates with me as well, because when I was um, when I was in my former role as manager of advanced practice, supervising nurse practitioners and physician assistants, I truly believe there's a lot of value in servant leadership. And I always used to say, you know, my employees do not work for me. I work for my employees. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that is, is on the same page with servant leadership. Mm -hmm. And it truly makes a difference, you know, in terms of retention, in terms of how the employees perceive um, their contributions. I think yes. it's great that you that that's um, what you've learned from so many amazing mentors that you've mentioned and so many amazing role models. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, my gosh. I, I am grateful to you um, because you have, you just nailed it. And um, the when I tell staff, because I say it to them all the time, I work for you and you can see the look on their face and they're just kind <laughs> of not sure if I'm kidding them or, you know, do I really mean this? And what I often tell them, Charlene, is you know, don't worry about what I say, watch what I do. Um, mm -hmm. My actions should and will speak louder than any words I can say to you. And, um, you know, I, I believe in that. I certainly think that every day is another opportunity to, you know, be that servant leader and to make sure that folks understand that they're the most important, you know, aspect of this company because they're putting hands on people. They're out there, hands on providing care and, I, I'm humbled and honored to have the opportunity to, to support them in that work. Yes. Thank you so much, James. I think you hit the nail on the head perfectly too. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really interesting how, um, 
you know, people might think that if you have a certain title, there should be a certain structure, a certain way that, um, you know, leadership should be run, but it's absolutely, you know, it's absolutely um, servant leadership. And that's brought a lot of success to the different organizations that I've seen. Um, that's brought a lot of success in my own journey as a leader. And so I really commend and, and applaud you for that. Thank you. I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, I'm also very interested in, you know, and would love to talk about the the way that I am going about it. I've been here for four months now in this interim CEO role. And Charlene, I think the most important thing that I can do, there's the basic blocking and tackling of, of leadership of being a CEO. But what I've done is I've implemented a essentially a listening tour. So I'm physically going to all of our facilities. You articulated it. We've got, you know, about nine facilities, um, at, you know, that are providing direct care every day. Um, and then we have a couple of clinic sites in addition to that. And so I'm physically going to each one of them a couple of times a month. And I spend about a half a day there. And what I do is set up, I do rounding. So I walk the building, but I also make... Um, 10 minute time slots available for anybody. Any employee can sign up for a time slot and I'm listening. Um, I sit wow. and I, I allow them to share whatever they wanna share with me. Sometimes they have concerns or complaints. A lot of times they just want somebody to hear about the work that they're doing and to see how they can be integrated across the system. But um, it has been pretty universally um, accepted with um, appreciation and, and gratitude for just the opportunity to have these sorts of conversations. And um, I think this is probably the best thing that I've done since I've been here is just giving folks the opportunity to have that sort of FaceTime. That's wonderful, James. Thank you for bringing that up. I love the idea of a listening tour. I think that's amazing. And and I think that that's something that listeners can really value hearing, you know, that they'll really value hearing about because it does make a difference when you give employees and staff members the opportunity to have a voice, right? Have a platform and just to tell someone about the things that they've been going through, especially for the past year, right? With the pandemic sure. and all the different challenges. I mean, it really goes without saying that it's been a challenging year, you know, this past year with a lot of different things going on. And, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, um, I did, you know, I did notice too in the press release from Alameda Health System, about, you know, announcing your appointment as interim CEO, they did describe that they had one of the most tumultuous, tumultuous <clears throat> years in its history yes. this past year. And can you talk a little bit about that? And, and can you tell us about the role that the culture of a health system would play in its success, especially when it comes to things like this? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, you know, it's important at this moment to say um, it was a tumultuous year for a lot of reasons. Of course, COVID was one of them, um, but there was also a, a labor action here in the past year. And the county um, had made it known that they were going to be reviewing the governance structure. We are an independent health hospital authority, which there are only two in the state, ourselves in Kern County. And um, the supervisors, that ours was established in 1998. And the supervisors made it known that they were going to be reviewing that to see if that was the right structure or were there were some modifications that needed to be made. And that was something that um, I think a lot of people had some trepidation about that. They're concerned about it, but I welcome it. I feel like, you know, after 30 years, approximately, that's it's time to look at the structure and make sure it's the right one. Um, in terms of the labor action, um, one of my first priorities was to make sure that the negotiating team 
got those contracts resolved that prompted the labor action. And we did that. And I wasn't at the table. That's not my role. But what I did do was give them the latitude and the authorization to do what it would take to get a deal done. And they did. So we now have contracts with CNA and with SEIU. And so really trying to make sure the staff knew that they were valued, that we were going to do what it took to give them the, the right resources, the right compensation. We're also doing things for burnout because healthcare um, has been through so much and addressing mm-hmm. burnout among healthcare providers is paramount. And so we are partnering with an organization called um, 1440 Multiverse and we are ha- there, we're sending a bunch of staff on a retreat to get tools to help address their burnout and bring those tools back to share with their colleagues, um, but really looking for ways to address burnout. We're implementing Schwartz rounds here, which you're probably familiar mm-hmm. with, with their opportunities for call, for caregivers to talk about um, cases and how those cases impacted them personally. And so I love that we're bringing the Schwartz rounds back to AHS. Um, mm-hmm. I, I need to say that um, AHS does not have a bad culture. And so I would never want anybody to leave this podcast thinking that I thought that there was a bad culture that I had to fix. Um, in the four mm-hmm. months that I've been here, I've had the pleasure of seeing a lot of miracles. And I really know that that's par for the course here. That said, there are always opportunities for improvement. And I believe the key for myself is to identify the opportunities and seize the moment to make change. If change were easy, everybody would do it. And um, mm-hmm. it's not, mm-hmm. but that's, that's my role. Yes, thank you so much for sharing that, James. And there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of great things that you mentioned um, there and talking about um, your organization and how it relates to success. And and uh, thank you for sharing the journey with Alameda Health System too. And we do know that, you know, this past year was really challenging. And then if you do have labor activity on top of that, that is really challenging in of itself. And it's just really great to hear about um, how you've been, you know, what you've been doing in terms of finding solutions for that. And in terms of um, trying to figure, you know, see what the landscape is and trying to learn more about that. Um, leaning into that, because I do think that these challenges are things that that people tend to, you know, they might run away from because it's scary or it's it's unknown, especially with COVID and all the different things that have been that has been going on. But but you've been really leaning into that. Um, you've been really leaning into to difficult challenges, including burnout, which you mentioned that I, I really think is great to acknowledge. And um, I myself am I'm really passionate about the topic of burnout and how how much emphasis is needed now with burnout for our healthcare staff, healthcare professionals. So I really commend you for that. Thank you, Charlene. I appreciate it. And as a caregiver yourself, I know that you are acutely aware of the issues just in the regular business of providing healthcare. And so this year was kind of an added layer of difficulty. One thing that I didn't mention, Charlene, that I should is there was a pretty rough joint commission survey last year. And mm-hmm. um, they there was going to be a you know, a, a rather short turnaround revisit and then COVID hit. And so that revisit got pushed out. But we went from an organization that had almost 150 findings a year ago. When they came last month and did the resurvey, they found one finding. So we went wow. from 150-ish to one. And my quality leader says it, and I, I agree with him. The fact is, we fixed the one thing that they identified before the surveyor left the building. And so um, I think it's fair to say that we had a zero finding survey and that's just really unprecedented. I've never been in a facility that had a zero finding survey. Far Mm -hmm. be it for me to take credit for that. Obviously this work was going on before I got here, but 
Um, I had the pleasure of overseeing the, the final touches, if you will, as we got ready for that survey. And, and the team really just, they showed out, if you will. My comment to them was, you've now shown me what you're capable of. And so I expect that we're going to keep that bar high and we're going to achieve even more. So I just, all kudos to this team. That's amazing, James. Thank you so much for bringing that up. I know personally that that is not easy to do, you know, going to, I mean, having a zero finding survey is just amazing work. So especially knowing the progress going from 150 findings to, to really zero is, wow, I can't say enough kudos to you, to your team. I think that's amazing, amazing work. Thank you very much. Yes. And, and, you know, I think that you, you mentioned before too, when it comes to culture, um, there's different ways that you might, that you might be able to measure um, culture and, and how a culture really lives and breathes throughout an organization. And I think you mentioned before that culture could really impact different areas like patient satisfaction and, and um, maybe employee satisfaction. Yes. And do you have any specific ways that um, AHS measures culture or how they might measure if change mm-hmm. is working within the system? Absolutely. Um, we um, work with Beta um, Healthcare and we do a culture of safety survey. And so we just had our most recent culture of safety survey last month. Um, our goal was to get an 80% response rate from our staff. Um, we ended up right about 72%. So we didn't hit our target, but 72 is comparable with what we'd seen previously, which, you know, that's a good thing. It's, it's statistically significant. Um, and we know that because we're now getting the results back and we're now putting the work plan in place. But I will tell you, Charlene, this is me being um, extraordinarily candid. Um, there was a lot of reluctance. People were hesitant to participate for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. I heard anecdotally that people felt like, well, nothing is going to be done. You know, nobody's going to actually pay attention. The results are never shared. So we don't know what's being said. And then people felt like there was um, going to be retribution, that they would be identified and punished for having said mm-hmm. their truth. And so um, I really asked for them to give me their grace, to, for them to trust that we would take this information and use it appropriately and that there would be no retribution. And um, the folks, they did it. They, they took the survey and they gave us their feedback. And so now we're actively, one, pushing the results out so we can honor that piece of our promise and letting them see this is what you and your colleagues said about this organization. And as important, if not more so, we're now going to engage you in developing work plans to fix the issues that you identified to us. And so that's happening right now. And I'm very committed to that because I think the only way for us to make the kind of change that we need is to listen to our staff and to engage them in helping us identify the path forward. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you so much, James. And I really like that you emphasize trust because I do think that when you, when you have been in an organization, you know, and when, you know, from the perspective of a staff member or a healthcare professional who may not have seen a lot of change and then, you know, is not sure how things will move forward, especially after a challenging year, I do think that trust is a really big piece of it. And would you say that trust is really one of those, um, you know, key ingredients that you need in terms of helping to promote, you know, an organizational culture of support or, or um, what other types of characteristics or what other types of ways do you think that a culture can really show its support for an or- for um, its organization's employees? Oh my gosh, you, you just really nailed it. Trust is so critical. 
And that's one of the things that the trustees have charged me with was building trust, because frankly, there is some degree of broken trust. And that is, you know, the nature of this sort of business. And so it's not to disparage anyone or anything, but it's just a fact that we have trust issues here. And so my job is to really um, give people the space and the grace so that they can trust the organization once again, so that they can frankly be actualized and fulfilled in their role, because that will translate directly into the kind of care that they're providing. Right. And I, I do believe that trust is definitely, you know, one of those key components because without, without the foundation of trust, it's really hard to move forward and to, it's really hard to get the buy-in really hard to have um, people, you know, might, they might not be on board with the different things that are going on with the organization. So I absolutely agree with, with having that component of trust. And um, how would you, how else would you recommend that a healthcare organization might help to change the culture um, so that, you know, it's a more productive culture for employees. Any other thoughts on how, how an organization might change its culture for the better if it has been, you know, um, in need of that cultural change? Yeah, I, I, um, I think that at the end of the day, um, implementing successful strategic change, it requires the ability to shift the thinking of the staff and to help them envision the desired future state, as well as the steps that process to getting to the desired objective. And for me personally, that means including the staff to the extent as, that I can. And that means direct engagement and accepting their input, because I'm not going to like everything they say, but I've got to take it and I've got to try to synthesize it into the path forward. Um, and so it really means acknowledging and uplifting the importance of team participation. New expectations have to be established and clearly articulated. Um, I believe that these steps will make the desired cultural transformation tangible and achievable to the organization. That's great feedback, James. And I, I really do love that you mentioned the staff involvement. I think that there could be a lot of times, especially in healthcare, where staff may not be part of these key decisions, right? And may not be part of the strategic planning or um, the, you know, the mission of the organization in a lot of different ways. So I do really commend you for acknowledging that and acknowledging um, the importance of staff involvement, especially with their expertise, um, being being um, healthcare professionals who are really involved in these processes and, and key parts of the organization. So thank you. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And I know that we're already at the end, almost at the end of our time together. And I feel that there's so many other things that we could talk about on this on this amazing topic. And I'm just wondering if there are any final words or comments that you'd like to share when it comes to organizational culture and success for organizations. You know, um, I, I don't, well, I would just say this is an iterative process. It's an evolution. There are no you know, solid answers of this is the way it's done. So for me, the key is to continue to learn and to, you know, ex to approach this work with humility and to know that I don't have all of the answers, but if I'm willing to listen and to be open, I believe the answers will present themselves. And so that's the spirit that I try to approach my work with every day. And I'm grateful to you for this opportunity to share some thoughts and to dialogue, because obviously this is something you're very well-versed in, and I'm grateful to have had this opportunity. Thank you so much, James. I really appreciate you bringing up the iterative process. You know, um, we might not always get things right right away. So it's really important to have the iterations, to listen to feedback, 
and to continue to work um, collaboratively with the other members of our healthcare team. So thank you so much. And it's been really great to chat with you today about organizational culture and organizational success. And we really appreciate your insights and we hope that our, our audience and our listeners found this valuable. Thank you so much. Um, be well and um, continue to success to you with your, your podcast endeavors. Great. Thank you so much, James. Really appreciate your insights. And James, where can people find you? Do you Are you active on LinkedIn? Is there any other outlets where people can learn about you and your updates? Thank you for asking. Yes, I am on LinkedIn, uh, James E.T. Jackson. I am also on uh, Twitter. Um, and so I, I tweet um, with the help of some talented staff people. Um, so there, there's that. Um, but I would say those are the two key mediums on LinkedIn and Twitter, uh, James E.T. Jackson, um, MPH. Um, so thank you for that opportunity. Great. Thank you. Um, and to all those who are listening, we were interviewing with James Jackson, interim CEO of Alameda Health System. And thanks to everyone for listening today. We hope that you found this podcast to be valuable, insightful, and helpful. And um, we hope that you all stay safe and stay healthy.